I was on buddy watch. I was flying to wherever he was, he was going to kick this goal. It was set up perfectly. He marked it right near me. He kicked the goal. People were already running onto the ground. I kind of, yeah, just got a small celebration and just started running as quickly as I could and then probably got to within 10 metres of him and just hit a brick wall of people. And all I could feel behind me were all these bodies piling up. Um, I stood up on my feet, held the camera up above my head. He, um, as luck would have it, faced towards me, gave a fist pump. I took maybe 20 frames, flicked the, the camera screen back, just had a quick look on the back and I saw, saw the key image. And I'm like, I'm not gonna get anything better than that. And I got out of there. So I was only out there for maybe a minute tops. Downloaded the pictures, found that frame, just gave it a little crop and sent it out as quickly as I possibly could because I knew this, this was gonna be the first picture that the people saw at this moment. G'day guys, coming up on the show today is Michael Wilson. Michael is the chief photographer at the AFL. If you followed the AFL before, there is a great chance that you have seen one of Michael's masterpieces. Michael's shot some incredible shots over the years, including Buddy 1000, countless grand finals, and has worked across pretty much every big game in the AFL over the last 15 years. We are absolutely pumped about this one, so let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grade Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and joining me is the content king, Ruben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in sports and we tease out their career decisions, their work habits, skills and everything they do that makes them great. Also, you can learn how to get in, get promoted and get thriving in the sports industry. Ruben Williams, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm buzzing at the moment. Not only have we just had one of the great podcast episodes of all time, but prior to the recording, I had to duck out for about 30 minutes to uh, attend oh. a quick drink that my friend invited me to. I tried to cancel on him. He said, no, just give me half an hour of your time. Me and my partner, Grace, need to talk to you about something. And I was like, Ooh. okay, here we go. And I arrived there. Straight away, they pull out a bottle of wine that says, Ruben, will you be our MC?" I can see it right here, and well, I'll just get this handed. I am going to be emceeing a wedding. <laughs> you can even, you've got, even got a name on it. I know. It's incredible. That is absolutely outstanding. I, I must there say, is, I was a little bit worried when you said, I've just got to duck out for 45 minutes, and this was about oh, an hour before the podcast was starting. I was like, geez, well, what's going to happen here? I'm not going to be left solo <laughs> here for one of the great episodes coming up, but... That is uh, incredible. I hope that's not in the frames. I might just move that over here for now. <laughs> but uh, wow. I know. Incredible. That's I, a good pre-pod. I know. The, the podcasting has taken us many places, but hosting a wedding is one place I'd never thought it would, would take me. So I'm I'm having a great evening, Mike, Ryan. En- entering the, uh, the wedding MC game, which will be a, a new type of game, I suppose. We're usually just recorded behind the mic operators. That's mm. like live... 
real stuff. I know. Well, this will be going on the LinkedIn skills for sure. <laughs> Wedding MC. Yes, 100%. We'll see how it goes and I might put the call out to say if anyone else needs their wedding <laughs> MC, it's Maybe. a gun for hire. <laughs> MC grad? MC grad. Wedding grad? Perhaps this is the next stage of How to become a days. wedding MC. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that that's super exciting, mate. And uh, yeah, that is brilliant. I would love to come and see that all transpire. Mm. Yeah, come along. <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's get on with the episode. If you haven't already, you can follow us on LinkedIn. If you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in sport, become a member of the sports grade community. Rubes, what's been happening as of late? Oh, another big week for our members. And uh, this shout out goes to a couple of our favorites. Now, one of them, Narasaram Ravi, who was one of the very first uh, coaching clients of mine way back in, in 2020. At the start of the pandemic, yeah. he hit me up and we started doing some work together. He's had a number of different roles, been up to Brisbane and back. He's just become the multicultural manager at the Western Bulldogs, wow. which is just an awesome place to work, awesome role to have. The Western suburbs of Melbourne, very multicultural. To be in charge of that division mm. is uh, a huge responsibility, but a huge uh, honor for Ravi. So well done to you, mate. That's fantastic. Another community member, Bradley McGee. Now, he started as a intern at the Geelong Cats probably sometime last year. Yep. He's now got a full-time job as a digital coordinator with the reigning premier. So, well done to you, Bradley, for turning that internship into a, a full-time job. Brilliant. Now, as always, we've got a couple of jobs posted on our jobs board. Uh, this one's well, – all three are very exciting. First mm. one, National Events Operations Coordinator at Cricket Australia. Another one at Cricket Australia, Cricket Operations Coordinator. Two fantastic entry-level jobs, yep. might I say. Uh, and then one for Melbourne Victory in the A-League, membership team leader. So if you're interested in them, head to our job board. It's a great lineup, I must say. Very good lineup. I'd almost say our best lineup of the year so far. Mm. So that's mm. brilliant. And there's heaps more available when you head to the website. I think there's we've got a link in the show notes if you want to yep. go straight there. And then uh, in our community, we've got our, our events that happen every Wednesday night. So here's what's coming up in the next four weeks. So this week, this Wednesday night, this will go out on Monday. This Wednesday night, we are joining forces with Study Melbourne and Intern Match to run a networking event at the MCG of all places where Michael Wilson does his best work. Yeah. So come along to that, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. to get an introduction to, to networking. And with that, we've got a special role. Do you mm. want to shed a bit of light on, on what that is? We are going to be quiz masters. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a big week. Yeah, it has. MC, quiz master. There's <laughs> a it, few new responsibilities. Yeah, there's been a lot happening as of late. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us behind the mics, which oof, this is going to be great though. Doing Trivia different. masters. have never been called that before. So. Yeah, well, very transferable skills we're getting asked to use. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we've got an intern match this Wednesday night at the MCG, which is going to be phenomenal. Then next Wednesday in the community, you would have heard Clayton Henderson on the podcast last week. He's jumping on to chat with our community members about how to get your first full-time job in sport. Uh, then the week after that, we're chatting all about grassroots sport and what sort of opportunities you can create for yourself there. If you haven't listened to Michael, you'll find out about what he did in grassroots sport to begin with. And then finally, after that, we've got a job fair. We're inviting in our wonderful organisations who work with us to share the jobs that they have on offer at the moment. So you can chat directly to the HR managers and get all your questions answered at once. So there's a lot to take in. Big there's lineup. a lot going on in the community, as we say every single week. The best way to stay on top of that and make sure you do not miss out on anything 
is to subscribe to our newsletter. Head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And there's a link in the show notes to join that. Brilliant. Never been a better time to jump into the community. I must say that the lineup is uh, is looking very strong. Mm. So get involved. Anyway, let's get into this episode because it is an absolute weldy. Uh, so good luck. We hope you enjoy. Grab a pen. Enjoy this chat with Michael Wilson. There's a reason Deakin's sports management course attracts the greatest talent the nation has to offer. Because when you join the longest-running sports management course in Australia, you'll gain access to unique opportunities with leading clubs and organisations. Their partnerships with the Geelong Footy Club, Deakin Melbourne Boomers and Netball Victoria and multiple elite industry partners will open the door to exciting placement experiences that connect you with the best athletes, managers and administrators in sport. Help shape the future of the sports industry, secure your part in the golden decade of sport. Michael, welcome to the SportsCode podcast. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. Michael, it's great to have you in here. We're going we're gonna to dive into your photography career in just a sec, but before we do that, I'm hoping you could help me solve a bit of a dilemma because there, there comes a time in every young athlete's life where, you know, career, life starts to get in the way and you start to think, is it worth still playing football? Is it still worth playing local cricket? And, you know, every week you go to training, like, why am I still doing this? I should be focusing my career, all the other important things. But in uh, doing some research for this episode, we found out that one of your greatest life achievements, despite the 16 years of AFL photography that you've done, is winning a premiership with the Lake Boga Football Club in the Central Murray Football Association. That's it, yep. So... Um. I'm now 28. <laughs> I've last cricket season, I managed two games. Year before that, another two games. I'm yep. teetering on the edge. Given your sort of experience, you know, what would you advise someone do in that situation? Don't retire. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, the, the 2003 premiership that I played in with Lake Boga was it's one of the, the greatest days of my life, actually, uh, the day we won it. Um, yeah, growing up in Swan Hill, it was... Uh, just a dream to to play in a premiership with the team that you played your all your football with. So it was something I, I aspired to do. And um, you know, in a small town like Swan Hill, uh, so much revolves around football community. Um, you know, the grassroots aspects of the game is what I think has held me in good stead with my career. So no, I'm so glad that I um, yeah stuck it out. Uh, I think I was like maybe 27 at the time. Um, I played a couple of years down in Melbourne after that, but after that, that's when I really got serious with my photography. But my advice would be: while you're young and you you can still <laughs> <laughs> sort of move fairly freely, uh, yeah, to just do the best you can and try and uh, achieve those sporting goals at, at whatever level you're playing at. Are you are you a chance of going back and playing any twos <laughs> on the weekend or no? But we do have our twenty year premiership reunion uh, in July <laughs> this year, which I'm, I can't wait for. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fantastic to see all the boys again and um, just you know reminisce on that fantastic September day in '03. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're Swan Hill born and bred. Yep, yep, uh, born in Swan Hill and lived there till I was about eighteen. And uh, yeah, my parents until just last year were, were still living up there. They've since moved down to. Um, to Ocean Grove, but um, yeah, I still occasionally get back there. Um, it's it is 
difficult at times with with my job, working weekends, uh, to to get back. But you know, when when I do, it's always fantastic to get back there. It's a it's a good spot of Victoria. Mm. That's hit home hard. Oh, I should yeah. be on the football field. Don't know why I'm not. <laughs> Only 27 and have pretty much given it away. So and, I feel a little bit bad about it after, after that. I've I've only played two years of country football and played a few years of ammos before that. There is a very different feel amongst country football clubs. That is that is oh, quite totally. special. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, so. As I mentioned, I played two years down here in the Southern Football League after my time at Lake Boger, and you know, um, country football has a totally different feel. It's it's such an invested uh, pastime with all the community that that lives in that area, and it's um, for me, you know, it's about where you grew up and you're playing for the jumper that you just, you know, is what you grew up with, and it's all you know. So. Yeah, for me, it has a much deeper meaning and deeper feeling playing, um, you know, country football as opposed to Metro or, or Amos, yeah. And, and lots of, like, genuine rivalries. Like, I, I was mm. playing at Lawn Football Club and every year they'd play off for the Coastal Cup against Apollo Bay. <laughs> and there are a few of the old blokes who didn't care about winning the premiership. All they wanted us to do was win the Coastal Cup. Yep. Every other game of the season, doesn't matter, just beat Apollo Bay. <laughs> yeah, no, well, Lake Boga's got uh, probably Warrenine and Swan Hill, the two big uh, rivalries up in, in Swan Hill. And, yeah, the 2003 grand final, we beat Swan Hill. So that was uh, that was pretty sweet. What was the margin? Uh, there was like 40-something points in the end. It, it was an amazing turnaround because two weeks earlier in the first semi or second semi, whatever it was, they, they punched us by 10 goals. Wow. Um, so we were backs to the wall and um, thought we were going to go out in straight sets again because that was what sort of happened at Lake Bogue <laughs> those early 2000 years. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, I don't know, grand final day, things just went our way. We were just committed and, um, yeah, we, we got over the line um, by 40-something points. So, yeah, it was a big turnaround in, in two weeks. A lot can happen in two weeks. And uh, what position did you play out of interest? I was like a half-forward flanker. Um, <laughs> Bit of a goal sneak. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Didn't get any in the grand final, which is devastating. But, um, yeah, I was always a bit of a half-forward flanker, maybe swapping on the ball occasionally. Didn't have a huge engine, but, um, yeah, knew where the goals were. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, we, uh, we usually start every episode with some quick-fire questions uh, so the audience can get to know you. So we've got a few lined up here. And we'll uh, we'll get some answers. And if there's any that interest us, we'll uh, we'll ask you after as well. Uh, the first one is: What was your first ever job? Paperboy at the Guardian newspaper in Swan Hill. Um, found out pretty early on I was not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> Lasted two weeks, and um, that was about it. But uh, yeah, that was my first official job delivering nice. the newspaper in Swan Hill. The so Guardian. the late the late night footy works well for you then. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I'm a bit of a night owl. Yeah. Uh, and what did you study at university? So I studied a Bachelor of uh, Visual Arts um, in Graphic Design at La Trobe University in Bendigo. Yep. Nice. Favourite sporting moment? Uh, the, the, the game that always sticks out in my memory um, was the, the 2010 drawn grand final uh, between yes. St Kilda and Collingwood. Um, yeah, historic in a, in a sense that we'll never have a moment like that again in the history of the game, a drawn grand final. Um, but there was just this crazy, eerie feeling when that siren went. Um, just confusion everywhere. Nobody knew what was happening, what was mm. going on. Uh, this weird storm blew over the ground. Like the the, ch the change rooms <laughs> flooded. Like there was just weird stuff happening. And I just, I don't know, for me it was a little bit of, you know, the, the, the ghosts of 1966 looking <laughs> down and sort of, you know, wreaking havoc. But... 
Yeah, I'll just always remember that game. Um, kind of, yeah, privileged to, to have witnessed it in person, the last draw and grand final. We'll probably, you know, down the track thing. I can't believe they actually played draw yeah. and grand finals mm. back then. It's such a bizarre thing. But, yeah, yeah to be part of it and, and to be there and have front row seats to it, um, yeah, was, was yeah, one of the, the games that sticks out in the memory. Mm. Uh, this isn't on our list, but uh, who do you go for, Adam? Just out of interest. Well, I, yeah, I am a Collingwood supporter. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> working at the AFL, I've, I've learned to be quite uh, neutral. So I like to see all t- teams do well. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about Collingwood's prospects this year. Just <laughs> no, <laughs> going off round one. Um, yeah, very excited. Fair enough too. Uh, and if you had 30 minutes to pick the brain of anybody, who would it be? Yeah, I don't have a specific person, but I, I have thought about this. I think um, – I'd love to go back in time to, to chat to a sports photographer um, based in Melbourne that, that was shooting VFL at the time and just see how they went about their job and what similarities are still there in this digital age mm. um, that they were kind of, you know, had similar sort of obstacles and goals when they were shooting a match. I'd just love to pick their brain and, you know, did, did they get there two hours before the game like we do? Did they ever have like, you know... A specific request from a cigarette company or something to get a photo of one of their players. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like yeah. I would just love to go back in time and pick the brain of a of a sports photographer back in the 30s or 40s. Just that that bygone Oh, that era. far back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I'm talking like you know a long time ago, and just just compare our roles and see what um, aspects of them are, are still the same. Mm. Mm. Compare the equipment as well. It'd be a little, <laughs> yeah. Bit of an eye opener. yeah, that would be an eye opener. I mean, I look at the equipment I was using when I started, and um, you know, we've come so far. We, we you know, digi- digital and now mirrorless is like opened up a whole sort of new uh, realm of possibilities for, for sports photographers. Yeah, we're going to need to get a definition on mirrorless. <laughs> well, mirrorless basically means that the camera doesn't have a mirror; it's got an electronic shutter as opposed to a digital SLR, which has got a mechanical shutter, which opens up and uh, lets the light in and exposes the sen- sensor in that way. Whereas, right. uh, yeah, with a mirrorless camera, it's it's all electronic um, and it doesn't have a traditional uh, viewfinder as such. So um, you're looking at a video screen in the eyepiece um, that's like, you know, basically doing yeah. the, the, the role of what a, a viewfinder would do on a traditional camera. So, yeah, the great thing about um, mirrorless is they're silent. Um, there's no no operation sound when when the camera um, takes yeah. a photo, so it's going to be great for um, you know those those candid moments, um, you know, in a sanctum access where you know meetings that kind of thing where you don't want the shutter to be heard. It's mm. um, yeah, going to yeah. open up a lot of possibilities in that yeah. in that area. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I've already learned something new. <laughs> yeah. Good, good tech jargon for you. That, that's as deep as I go with technical. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, let's um let's get into sort of why you chose photography as a, as a full-time gig. Was there sort of a moment of realisation where you thought this is the, the path I want to get on? Uh, looking back, like from an early age, like I always had uh, footy photos from the newspaper cut out and stuck up on the wall as a kid, like, you know, when you're eight, nine, ten those sorts of ages um, and always kind of, yeah, just just loved the still photo of the game. Um, I can remember actually, this is showing my age a bit, the 1990 grand final, Collingwood beat Essendon. I can remember like I, had a, I recorded it on a VCR tape and was playing it back and pausing like um, frames of the video, you know, a, a great action shot and just taking a photo of the TV screen. Obviously it was terrible, but 
I think back then, you know, I was like 12 or 13 at the time and, and you know, I guess the seed was kind of sown early on that, you know, this was a real interest and something I was, you know, curious about and, and wanted to pursue. But, yeah, probably wasn't until I was like um, in my sort of mid-20s I got really serious about it. Like I said, I did a graphic design degree. So I worked as a graphic designer for seven or eight years um, before I kind of, you know, transitioned into that that photography space. So I know they're closely related, design and, and photography, but um, yeah, it was probably after working in the design area for seven or eight years that I, I realised that, yeah, photography is where I want to be. Um, and yeah, I guess that was kind of when when it all sort of happened for me. Yeah. No. And and how did um, like the sports photography start to come into it? Because um, yeah, were, were you going out shooting any sporting match you could find? Were you doing weddings? Were you practicing on all sorts of things? Where did it yep. narrow down to sport? Yeah, pretty much. I was. I just bit the bullet one day um, and bought a whole heap of photo gear. So, as part of the graphic design course I was doing, I, like I had a camera, and you know, photography was one of our core subjects. So I always had the the knowledge and the technical skills and the background. And this is back in the film days, so you know, darkroom skills and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just as digital was sort of taking off in 04, 05, I, yeah, just bit the bullet, bought a decent digital camera, bought a big lens, telephoto lens to um, to be able to get those great shots and just started shooting VFL games, um, you know, amateur matches, just um, training sessions, AFL training sessions, basically uh, events where you didn't need accreditation. You could just sort of, you know, stand behind the fence mm. and just get those shots and um, yeah, that was how I kind of started out and just sort of taught myself, I guess, to shoot football um, and just, uh, you know, over time build up a folio and, you know, you got to meet other photographers at games and, and get feedback and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I guess my big break came in, it was 2005 when I shot an Essendon um, intra-club match. And again, you didn't need accreditation. You could just rock up. So, so just, no one welcomed you to this. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just rocked up and shot the match. And uh, I just emailed all the pictures I had into the club and just said, hey, I was at your game today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an aspiring photographer. If you can you know, want to show these pictures on, on your website, uh, please do so. So, yeah, they got back to me straight away and said, oh, these pictures are great. Can you come next week and, um, you know, take some more pictures? <laughs> Which was fine. I was happy to do it because, you know, I was just so keen to break into the industry. So I, I did the same thing the next week, but I meet, I met their media manager that day, Simon Matthews, who, um, yeah, who offered me their photographer's pass for that season. So uh, each AFL club, um, yeah, gets a, a photographer's pass for, for a photographer to attend their matches and, and shoot. And that was my big break, I guess, because I was able to shoot, you know, the elite level game, uh, but also get to network and, and meet the elite level photographers. So, yeah, through that uh, accessed uh, via Essendon, I got got to, uh, yeah, really build up a strong folio and, and got to know some of the really great AFL photographers that were out there and, um, you know, got feedback off them. And um, I guess one thing led to another and, yeah, it just uh, opportunities started to come. And, um, yeah, I'm probably sort of <laughs> going into your next question, I guess, but... Um, yeah, in 2007, a, a full-time role came up at um, AFL Photos and it was it was offered to me and I took it and the rest is history. Amazing. That's, that's like the, a genuine, like the perfect story, the perfect pathway of like you just go and do something to have a crack, you email it through, you some you somehow make a contact and then you get a gig through it. Like, yeah. That yeah. is the epitome of like mm. a yeah. perfect pathway in. Yeah, I guess – like everyone's path is different. I get a lot of questions about how do I get to where you are. And 
all I can offer is is my experience, and that was, as you say, say you just got to um, get out there and sort of network and uh, just work hard and um, try and do the best you can to build up a folio or resume, whatever your field is in photography. It's a folio, um, and just yeah, get get your work out there, get it seen, get it seen by the right people, and when that one opportunity comes up, you've got to capitalise on it. Like. Mm. Um, there's no real second chances if you get a big opportunity. You've just got to put your best foot forward and just capitalise on it. And then for me, um, other opportunities came from that. So, yeah, that's that's how it happened for me. And like mm. I said, everyone's story is different, um, yeah. especially in photography. Like a lot of people ask me, should I do this course or that course or should I do this? Or that? You can do a course, that's <laughs> fine. Um or you know you can just go your own way and, and just if, I think if you've got the the talent the eye and the the dedication you can get to where you want to get to. Mm. And around that 2006 2007 point in time, what were photography portfolios living on? Because now anyone can open up a website in about half an hour. Yep. But back then was that still the case, or was it living in somewhere other shape or form? Yeah, well it was just a website. Um, social media wasn't. Well, Instagram certainly wasn't around in 06, 07. I think Facebook was just sort of starting out. Um, yeah, it was just a website. I was fortunate with my design skills that I was able to d- design my own website um, and put all my pictures on there. And yeah, that was um, that was how it was done back back then, just a URL. And, um, you know, before, not too many years before that, but it, would, it used to be a printed folio, you know. Mm. You'd, you'd get all your photos printed up, mounted, in a leather sort of carry case, yeah. <laughs> pretty ugly, and present them that way. Um, and same with design folios. Um, but yeah, electronic um, presentations, I guess, started taking off in yeah, you know, the early two thousands and oh five, oh six, oh seven was you know, still all sort of web web based. Yeah. Mm. Do you reckon when you um, like when you've got that first gig at Essen VFL, what what kind of allowed you to? get to the point where you could do AFL? Was it all the feedback you were getting or was it through the club or like what allowed you to go to that next level? Well, it was actually Essendon AFL. Sorry, Essendon yeah. AFL. Yeah. Oh, I guess um, what took me to the next level was, yeah, probably networking, getting to know other photographers. Mm. So, um, yeah, it really was a case of just them noticing your work and, you know, I, I would quite often go and pick the brains of, of these other guys and ask for their opinion on a certain photo I took or could yeah. I have cropped it better or could, you know, was the exposure okay, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I guess um, sort of acquiring knowledge and, you know, in turn building up your experience is is what led to my, um, I guess, my career sort of launching after that, mm. that 2005 season with Essendon. Yeah. yeah. And I'm asking you to think way back, but when you're chatting with those other AFL photographers, is there any piece of feedback that sticks out in your mind that you still remember from back then? Um, <clears throat> there was one one guy, Ryan Pierce, who um, helped me a lot um, when I was starting out. Um, yeah, sometimes the, the feedback on cropping was um, pretty honest. Like, it sounds like a little thing, but cropping a photo can make a huge difference to the final presentation of it. Um, so yeah, and just you know, getting uh, always exposing manually things like that. Good habits to get into. Um, some of the, the advice that really sticks out in my memory in those early days. Yeah, mm, awesome. Yeah, nice. um, let's talk about like what's in your in your kit bag. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're having a chat about this earlier, and I'm like, I feel like when you look at these photographers, there's just so much stuff like in their bags. Yeah. So, 
Keen to hear sort of what's in your bag when you're sitting on the side of a, of a footy ground? Well, as of two weeks ago, um, two brand new Canon R3 mirrorless cameras. Um, and which, what, what do they go for? Like, are they? Uh, like about seven, <sighs> seven K a piece. Yeah. And we've got two Whoa. of them. Um, wow. That's probably, yeah, that's not the most expensive piece of equipment. So we've got, yeah, two camera bodies, uh, a 600 millimeter telephoto lens. Um, yeah, that's like upwards of sort of 14, 15. <laughs> wow. <K. laughs> Just for the lens. Yeah. <laughs> We thought we were paying a bit for our cameras here. <laughs> I'm lucky that uh, Gil McLaughlin pays for them all. <laughs> Fair so enough. I don't have to uh, fork out for them. But, uh, and then, yeah, we've got a couple of shorter lenses, 70 to 200 millimetre, um, you know, it's probably 3 or 4K, a 1635 wide angle and a 24 to 70, like sort of medium range zoom lens. Um, they're about 2 or 3K a piece. So, yeah, it, that's basically the, the photo kit. And then, you know, obviously um, – yeah, laptop and card readers and, you know, portable modems and battery yeah. packs and all that mm. sort of jazz that goes with all that stuff. So you can see why I need to get there two hours before <laughs> set all this stuff up. That, that's part of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would be the total value of the bag? Uh, yeah, like 60. Wow. Does that make you nervous, but, like walking around yeah. with some <laughs> stuff? Well... It does a little bit. Um, Everyone knows now. Michael's, Michael's yeah, got 60K know, so. worth of stuff in his bag. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it does make you a little nervous, especially like when there's kick to kick on the ground after the game and you're late getting back from the, the team song in the rooms. Um, and, yeah, you got like you know, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars yeah. worth of equipment on this, this boundary. And oh, wow. old mate and his son are just there just belting the sharing into each other. It's, uh, it does make you a little nervous. Um, mm. Actually, funny story, uh, Buddy Franklin's um, thousandth, was it his thousandth or his 1300th? Thousandth goal, I think it was, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the most common question I get is, obviously, the huge ground invasion. Um, yeah, was, was your gear okay? It's like, you know, I had to basically leave my whole kit, my laptop was still out, um, all my smaller lenses, all that kind of stuff was still out next to my bag. Um, yeah, so everyone's sort of – the main question I get is, did, did all your gear survive? And it did. Um, no one stole anything. Nothing got stood on. But um, one of the other photographers had his telephoto lens stood on and basically oh, no. snapped, snapped in half, yeah. Oh. So not a great result, but um, <laughs> I think he was going to send the AFL a bill. I don't know if it got paid <laughs> or not, but, um, yeah, it's it's – probably just part of the job yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the gear takes a beating you know we're out in the elements it's yeah. um yeah it's they're, they're built pretty robust the, the canon cameras mm. and yeah it's um yeah we're lucky to have the the best gear going around yeah. we we might jump to that because we did want to ask you about that night um i was fortunate enough to be there as well and it's up there with one of the greatest moments of yeah all time <clears throat> that i've ever witnessed um, you probably stepped on the guy's camera. Yeah, yeah it was probably you. me. <laughs> I did lose my jacket that night, actually. <laughs> um, but uh, how do you prepare for a night like that? Because I saw the report of, I think it was the, the AFL annual report 2022, and it's got your photo on the front with Buddy Franklin in the middle of it. And it was just the most perfect photo of, of the occasion. So how do you, how do you prepare to yeah. get that? Well, you can and only... Could you take us like right back? Like when does... <laughs> preparing start happening for something like this well pre preparation started i guess in the off season when we knew he was going to be kicking 
this milestone goal, um, either round one or two or three. You know, it's going to be early in the year. So, yeah, I was on buddy watch. I was flying to wherever he was, he was going to kick this goal. So I was at um, Sydney Olympic Park mm. Stadium, whatever it's called now, Core Stadium, I think it is, um, round one. Thank God he didn't kick it there because it was, it was against the Giants. There was no crowd there. It would have been horrible. Like, it just wouldn't have had the same atmosphere. So for him to kick it at the SCG on a Friday night against Geelong was a, was a great result in round two. So, yeah, I, I guess it was it was hard to plan for in that there were so many variables. And I've sort of, yeah, you know, when I've been asked about this in the past, I was, I was really anxious kind of coming into this moment because obviously, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. You want to get the best photo from a historical perspective. Um, as well as, you know, there's a lot of commercial aspects that come into a photo like this, like so many licensees are mm. banking on, you know, great photographic imagery to to sell, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of memorabilia. Um, so that weighs on your mind as well. Um, so I guess, yeah, the idea I had was um, I was just going to follow him, um, you know, up and down the ground wherever he was going. Um, so if he was kicking one end, I'd go up that end. Next quarter, I'd go up the other end to just be in this general area. And my plan of attack was if if he kind of marked it or sort of got it in my area, um, I was going to run out onto the ground after he kicked it. Fortunately, um, he, he marked it in my pocket, which was a great result. So as soon as I was sort of in control of the situation, I felt a lot better, a lot more confident that I was going to get something really good. Um, yeah, the worst possible result would have been ha- he just got like a you know, hand pass into the goal square and kicked a just a three <laughs> meter goal and, and that's it. And you know, there's no photo in that. That, that was my nightmare. Um, but luckily, it was it was set up perfectly. He marked it right near me. He was like 35 out, slight angle. Um, he was probably 20 meters away from me. And so then that, that's when my plan kicked in. I say, like, okay, I'm going to get this kick, going to get the celebration, and then I'm ditching. My big lens, taking out my wide angle, and I'm just going to run as fast as I possibly can, get as close as I can, and just hope for the best. So that's what I did. I um, He kicked the goal. People were already running onto the ground before it had even left his boot. So I kind of, yeah, just got a small celebration just, um, with my longer lens, dumped it, and just started running as quickly as I could, and then probably got to within... I don't know, 10 metres of him and just hit a brick wall of people. Like I literally just stopped in my tracks and all I could feel behind me were all these bodies piling up. And it was actually kind of scary for a few seconds. I was thinking, oh, my God, this is going to go really pear-shaped. Someone's going to seriously get hurt because there were kids, you know, Mm. like it was was kind of bedlam. Um, But then it just kind of sort of found its place and, you know, I, th- I think I actually fell over at one stage and then managed to get up on my feet again. And um, yeah, in hindsight, the people falling over in front of me is kind of what made the photo. It sort of, the seas parted. Um, I stood up on my feet, held the camera up above my head, had no idea, you know, if I was focused on Buddy or, or whatever. Um, it was a bit of a Hail Mary in a way. Um, but just held the camera up above my head. He, um, yeah as luck would have it, faced towards me, gave a fist pump and was just in the moment. And um, I took maybe 20 frames, 25 frames, flicked the, the camera screen back, just had a quick look on the back and I saw, saw the key image. And I'm like, I'm not going to get anything better than that. And I got out of there. 
So I was only out there for maybe a minute tops. And I just saw the, saw the picture and I thought, yep, that's it. That That's the frame. Straight away knew it. Um, so, yeah, went back through the crowd, which took me twice as long because there were still people jumping the fence. It was crazy. Got back to my laptop, which was still there, fortunately. Um, yeah, downloaded the pictures, found that frame, just gave it a little crop and sent it out as quickly as I possibly could because I knew this this was going to be the first picture that, that people saw at this moment, like this historical moment. And um, it was. It was, it was the, the picture that was on the front, front page of all the newspapers. It just went bananas on socials. Um, and, yeah, I just couldn't get it quick, out quick enough. And, and with the crowd, it was really frustrating because there was so much of a congestion on the 4G and 5G uh, signals. It was going at like 3K a second. I was like... Oh, I just wanted it to, to, yeah. to get out there as soon as it possibly could. But, um, yeah, it took a couple of minutes to send and, yeah, once it was out there, it just um, caught fire, which was great. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hang it on every word I then. I was, yeah, like, oh. <laughs> that's probably the best five minutes of podcast yeah. you've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is that is phenomenal. Incredible. Um, I don't know where to start. Yeah, like. I to say about that. I'm a massive Buddy fan, and so I flew on the day. I bought a ticket the day before to, to be there that night. You're not in the photo, are you? No, I'm not no in chance. the photo, no. I might see through the opposite end of the ground. Okay. Um, uh, but, yeah, ran onto the field. As he pushed across to exit the SCG, that's when he kind of came past me, and I managed to hold him by the jumper. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is incredible. But then, you know, I've seen your photo ever since. So to, to hear your recollection of that photo and that night is um, – yeah, makes it feel very cool. <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing night and, yeah, just wrapped that I was able to get, you know, a really great picture out of it. Um, and, yeah, just really humbling to be – like that, that, that's never going to happen again in mm. my time at the AFL. Um, so to be a part of it um, and to get a, a, a picture that's going to, you know, mark that historical occasion mm. is, is really satisfying. Yeah. Yep. Did, um, did Gil call you up or anything and say, Michael, well done? <laughs> Uh, no, he didn't on that one. But he, occasionally he does uh, just send a ra- random text here and there on a photo that I, I get. Um, yeah, I'm trying to th- remember. The last one I got, I actually took a photo of him and his sons on the bench during a game last year. Gil was taking a selfie with his with one with his son Sydney, and um, it was actually quite a nice photo. Um, just you know, father son enjoying the the. Uh, the, the game and um, then he, he texted it to me he actually texted me the selfie photo he said like <laughs> who took it better said, oh, you've outdone me there Gil <laughs> nice oh that that is that is incredible and it's great storytelling that was just super mm. super cool to hear and I, I love how the planning also started in the off season you know like mm. I mean, a lot of people would think you know you just rock up to the ground and you know <sighs> you hope for the best but the yeah. fact that like you kind of have that plan in place for so long and I guess like you were riding on so much to go right to be able yeah. to get something like that. And I was that. lucky mm. a lot did go right. Like, yeah. Like I said, it could have gone mm. really pear-shaped had, you know, had he kicked the goal in the goal square. Or, yeah. There mm. was so many variables and that was where the anxiety came from. But mm. like I said, once I was in control of the situation, once once he took that mark in front of me, I had total confidence in my skills and ability to get something decent mm. once I knew where it was going to happen. Yeah. Mm. On, on nights like that or – 
at grand finals or other games in general? Are you, are you working in a team of photographers or is it just like, Michael, you're the guy tonight, get get to Buddy? No, we, we have a team and we had a team um, that night in Sydney for Buddy. Um, I think there was maybe four or five of us um, on that match. We had a couple of guys up high in the stands to as a bit of an insurance policy um, just to yeah, cover every every movement up there. Um, grand final day, yeah, I'm, I'm managing a team of uh, like, I think we might have had like 10 photographers uh, last grand final. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a team effort. It's, um, yeah, really, I mean, a regular home and away season match, I'd, yeah, I'm usually on a game with either one other AFL photos photographer and a Getty Images photographer and we, we share our imagery. But, yeah, big finals, grand finals, you've got a, um, a big team of, yeah, in excess of 10 photographers for the, for the big dance, yeah. And, mm. um, you know, we have a massive photographic brief, um, just a huge amount of corporate um, commercial requests come in mm. uh, from AFL corporate partners. Um, we have AFL events to shoot as well at the grand final. So we used to be the benefactors of those corporate shots. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> we, we met working in the commercial team at, at Cricket Australia. Right. And at the end of every cricket season, we'd have to do post-campaign post reporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the front cover of all the decks, you'd have like domain real estate on a LED sign with, yep. you know, Steve Smith batting in front of it. So yep. we, we appreciated those shots. <laughs> I remember <laughs> to fi- having to fill out the brief and I'd always forget the date. <laughs> Getty would be super flattered us. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, um, we were the benefactors. Yeah, the old uh, LED request. That's Yeah, that's, that'd be uh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shooting signs. <laughs> well, another issue with the mirrorless cameras is they aren't, because the LEDs are like they actually flicker when you take yeah. a photo of them, you get mm. these kind of lines through them. Um, it's not ideal. I'm, I'm sort of yeah waiting for a few corporate partners to come yeah. up and say, uh, <laughs> "Our sign looks a bit wonky." Yeah. <laughs> oh. You um you mentioned before you had to get back to your seat and and post Buddy's photo, um, and that something that we'll, we'll also chat about before because we went to the game on Thursday night. And I remember seeing on my Instagram, it's like that. Inc- I think you got a really good shot of like the the skyline, and it was um, Carlton Richmond, and it was just an awesome photo. I remember showing Rubes. I was like, "Oh, how is this photo?" And, and it made us think like you're trying to post all this content out while still having to shoot the game. Mm. How do you juggle that? Because what if yeah. you're doing that and then you miss something? <laughs> yeah, well, it's happened before. Yeah. Um, it is a juggling act, and you've got to be very mindful of choosing your moments to either file on your laptop or post to social media. I'll only really post to social media during a match if I've got something really, really nice. Yep. Otherwise, I'll do it like a quarter time or half time or after the game. Um, but, yeah, it's the same thing with with filing. Like you've got to either get a break in play, like if a goal is scored or there's someone being taken off with an injury or a blood rule. Blood rule is the biggest uh, blessing for a photographer because <laughs> it's like usually about a minute and that's valuable time to like download your card and you know file a few pictures um but yeah i've told this story before but um speaking of missing moments like i um i learned the hard way i think it was like 2017 or 2018 maybe that um jeremy howe mark queen's birthday over tom mcdonald yeah um huge 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 hanger yeah um but uh, I was uh, I had my head buried in my laptop when that hanger happened I was filing um the big slide the big freeze slide pictures to to some clients um who needed the, the pictures quite urgently so um yeah I was sort of had my head down in my laptop 
and uh, just heard this massive roar. <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> turned around and, uh, like, looked at the replay and I was going, oh, my God, that is an unbelievable mark yeah. and I can't believe I don't have a photo of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to a really dark place after that. <laughs> Beat myself up for weeks about it. But that's that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. Um, who's who's to say that if I had have been on it, you know, an umpire might have been in the way or another player. We get so much mm. interference as photographers. You know, you're basically stationary and you've got 40 players, 36 players going back and forth, back and forth, back. There's so much interference. But, you know, you want to give yourself the best chance possible. And to do that, um, yeah, you need to choose your moments carefully to, to file and, and yeah. post post your content. Yeah, <laughs> we've kind of touched on a few different elements, but but what does a, an AFL game day look like for you from from start to end? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I, I mentioned earlier, I usually get to a game a couple of hours beforehand. Um, we get a, a photo brief before each game, so. If I'm shooting it uh, on my own with with just a Getty editorial photographer, I'll be in charge of the the photo brief. So I've, I need to sort of um, allocate my time and and make sure that that everything on the brief is going to be covered during the match. So sometimes it's, it's a bit tricky juggling a few things. Like sometimes you have to go to a corporate box to get a photo of um, you know some VIPs or something. Other times you might have to. Uh, get some photos of an activation before the game, that kind of thing, or just general editorial sort of coverage like colour and fans arriving, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, definitely get there a couple of hours before the game, get set up, um, you know, get all the gear unpacked on the, on the boundary. Uh, and then, yeah, once once the game starts, you're um, you're pretty much in the zone. You, you're just trying to, you know, cover, cover the game editorially as well as, um, you know, just keeping your head around any news stories that are developing during the game, like, you know, reports or injuries, that kind of stuff, um, and just trying to, you know, capture all the action and not miss any key moments. So, um, and like I said, mindful of the brief at all times. So, uh, you know, on Sunday I had a, a, a huge brief for LEDs um, and so, you know, you kind of mind, you got that in the back of your mind while you're sort of trying to cover the game from a, editorial perspective as well so it is a bit of a juggling act um but yeah you're also filing during the game so you know by quarter time i like to have probably 10 pictures up on the afl photo site half time you know 20 to 30 and then by the end of the game if you got you know 60 to 80 pictures um you're going pretty well and then uh after the game you're there for an hour or hour and a half just you know doing a bit of a sweep over stuff you might have missed earlier in the match um and yeah, so you know, all up, you're probably looking at like a six, seven hour sort of day at the footy, and then um, we do what's called a second edit on all our pictures, either the, that evening or the, the following day, where we just go through and pull out all the stock pictures, like pictures that are good for footy card photos and calendars, that kind of stuff. Just you know, hero shots of players, just general action. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's probably a, an, an average day um, in the life, I guess. <laughs> and would you ever do two matches in a day? I very rarely. I, I have before, um, but yeah, it's it's something you know, just mindful of burning out. And mm. you know, I've got a wife and two young boys <laughs> at, at home as well, and uh, just want to try and you know devote as much time on weekends when I'm not working to to being you know a family man as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I try to avoid it um, if, if I can, yeah. How do you decide what game you go to? Because are, are you going over to Perth 
March uh, or no, just mainly Melbourne. Yeah, I'm mainly Melbourne based. The only time I'll go interstate during the home and away season is if um, you know there might be a a golf championship in Perth and all the photographers are on that and we can't get anyone there, so I might go go to yeah. cover their absence. But um, yeah, finals travel everywhere, um, yep. go to all all the big games, um, and yeah, I basically do. I do all the rostering from an AFL photos perspective. So it's generally, yeah, any sort of Friday night, I'm always on if it's in Melbourne. Um, and then on a Saturday, it kind of just, I'm working with what other photographers want to shoot and, you know, what the big games are. And, and we sort of decide it that way. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny, but most of my travel is actually in the preseason when we take all the, the team photos and, and player headshots. So basically January, February and early March are, are dedicated to um, getting to all the clubs, the interstate ones as well, and, and capturing all those team photos and player portraits and, and headshots that you see on the, on the broadcast and on the big screen at um, at the games. So, yeah. yeah. And um, then what, November, December, you, you just take it, take off? <laughs> <laughs> well, not now that AFLW's been... Yeah, uh, of course, <laughs> yeah. For that. Um, so, yeah, the AFLW season's also a big part of, um, of our coverage as well. Mm. Um, so last year would have been huge then with... Three seasons into one. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it was a massive year with yeah season seven of the AFLW tacked on to to the end of the year. It uh, it really stretched all our resources, but everyone at the AFL did such a great job in, in getting um, three seasons done in in twelve months. And thankfully, we shouldn't have to go down that path again. <laughs> um, but yeah, the AFLW kicks off. Um, Early September, I think it is late late August. Um, so yeah, we'll we cover all that. Like we do the men's, we do all their team photos and player portraits. We'll probably have to do that in in um, June and July and knock all that over. And I think the season will probably wrap up end of November. So um, that leaves December. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'll be going away for a holiday then. Very <laughs> good. Um, what about your, uh, your your weekly schedule? Are you shooting all the time? Are there certain days that are different to the weekends? What, what's your weekly routine like? Yeah, I um, so Mondays are my what I call my admin day. Um, you know, I've got with rostering and sort of managing other photographers. I've, I've there's a lot of meetings and stuff I have to sort of sit in on and contribute to. And um, yeah, like I also go through and do a sweep of of all the match coverage from all the matches on a Monday as well, and and just make sure all the coverage is up up to scratch and, you know, no one's missed anything. So um, you're, like, you're like the teams, you're doing a Monday morning review. Yeah, <laughs> I am, yeah. Do the um, votes for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, not, not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my Mondays are like, you know, just emails, meetings, um, just admin. So I, I rarely shoot on a Monday. Um, Wednesdays are kind of my day off where, you know, if, if I'm shooting on a Friday or a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as is the case in the first three rounds of, of this year, um, yeah, I'll, I'll sort of try to have a Wednesday and a Tuesday off if I can. It, it really does depend on what's on during the week. Um, but, yeah, the, the focus is the match day coverage and then if there's specific uh, shoots during the week that I've been requested to shoot, I'll sort of work my, my days off around that. Um but yeah, outside of that, um, yeah, just try and get to a training session or a, you know media op or, or something like that to, to cover off, and um, that's pretty much it. But like I said, um, there's so many Thursday night games this year, so you're looking at you know four days straight of um, of AFL for for a lot of rounds mm. this year. So it doesn't give you much opportunity to to get the camera out during the week if you if you're trying to you know if you don't want to work seven days a week and you know. I'm, 
like I said, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that uh, I've got a young family at home. So mm. where, where I can, try and, um, yeah, take that day off and, and work around it. We love the, uh, the four days straight, but it can be tough on some. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was thinking before, I was like, oh, yes, yeah, so it's number Thursday. It basically feels like the weekend's early. Like, <laughs> does yeah i think thursday night footy is fantastic it's great yeah I, th- I think it's got a real future and yeah i think it's been great yeah, mm. yeah. No, absolutely um say i'm brand new to photography um you know just picked up a camera uh well i might not have before what are what are three tips to start taking really quality photos from the get-go uh my first would be to get your head around the the principles of photography like the relationship between ISO exposure and shutter speed. So might sound like tech jargon again. Love it. <laughs> those three things are critical to you understanding how to achieve the photos you want to get. Um, the second would be get good gear, especially if you want to shoot sports and AFL, you have to have a long lens, like a telephoto lens to, to get that reach, to get those really great action shots. Um, Third bit of advice would be just shoot, you know, just get out there and teach yourself. Like I said, if you can get your head around those those principles of shutter speed, aperture and, and ISO uh, and then start putting them into action by just getting out there and shooting, trying different things, um, yeah, that would be my advice. Yep. Nice. Mm. Um, shutter speed for someone who's got no idea about photography, like how, how does that make a difference? So shutter speed is how long the shutter is open for. So um, a fast shutter speed, say one one thousandth of a second, is probably the minimum you want to freeze motion. Right. Okay, so if you've got um, a player running in front of you, um, if you have a shutter speed of, say, a 25th of a second, you're going to have blur. It's going to blur. So, um, yeah, shutter speed is basically how long... The, the shutter stays open for it to expose the sensor. So the quicker the shutter, the the sharper and uh, more motion is frozen in the in the image. If that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's a really yeah. good way to po- put it. Yeah, freeze motion. Yeah, yeah I yeah. understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, why, that's why our photos are always blurred. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Shutter exactly. speed poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. We've actually got um. um Pranav's in the next room. He has uh, he's does some casual photography on the side. Um, we're wondering if you could give him a couple of tips, is if that's all right, if we bring him in. Yeah. Yep. Pranav, are you out there? Live tips. I love this. <laughs> Depends what kind of camera is. Has he got a Canon? I'm, no, uh, I'm, I'm not, not sure if he's got the, the long one. <laughs> Pranav, have you got a couple of your photos there? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Live feedback on the podcast. I think oh, feedback a, on the photos. Yeah. Okay, yep. So, so Pranav's in his second year uni? Second year uni, takes a few casual photos on the on the weekend. Um, let's have a look at this. Okay. We'll get these on the feed for those watching. All right. For those listening, you can find them on socials, I think. But, so, uh, do you want to describe what, uh, what photo is taken there? Yeah. So, is this a, it looks like an amateur training session or something like that? Yeah. Um, it's a kicking pose. I would say like the, it's, it's, you've got the pose, right? Like the, the ball drop is at a good, like a good part of the ball drop where it's just about to, to sort of fall from the hand. Um, yeah, the, the thing I would say that's probably distracting in this particular image are all the cars in the background. So this is kind of what I'm saying, like a, a long lens would, you know, allow you to blur those cars out a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, apart from that, look, I think the colours are really good. The contrast is good. Your exposure is bang on. So um, yeah, I think you know the background is probably just the, the only aspect of that photo that that's probably just lacking a little bit. But it's good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what, like when you look at a photo, what, what does your mind instantly go to? Um, <clears throat> well, it kind of depends what sort of photo it is. If you're talking like an action sh- action shot, I'm, you know sort of drawn to the pose of the player like is it is it like a really athletic pose like if it's a high mark you know like can you see his face clearly how high off the ground is he and then yeah you kind of start analyzing the background and the exposure and the white balance and and all sorts of other stuff but um and the sharpness and and that kind of stuff um but yeah i don't know you, you can always like there's good photos and there's bad photos and mm. you can tell straight away where the good ones and the bad ones are yeah mm. so it sounds like your uh, your experience back out at Lake Boga really comes to use when you're trying to pick the best athletic pose for for a footballer because you understand, you know, where is the highest point to catch a ball or where do you lowest point to drop a ball that sort of thing. Yeah, I think even though I did play just at a country level, um, it does hold me in good stead for being able to have a feel for the game. I think you know, mm. I, I think being able to sort of. You know, playing all those years, you, you get a feel for you know reading reading the play and reading the drop of the ball off hands and that kind of stuff. And you know, sometimes those little one percenters can sort of make all the difference when it comes to capturing you know a, a particular photo. So mm. who knows? Awesome. Mm. Any other photos you want feedback on? Uh, there's a copper yeah. Next to it. Go next. Yeah. Ah, very good. I like how uh, I like how her eyes are. Uh, Straight through the hands there. That's that's yeah. That's really well timed. Um, so what, what's happening in this photo? Yeah. So we've got a girl um, who's about to mark the ball. It's like a training session again, um, and her eyes. Are, she's got her hands up near her eyes, and her eyes are peering straight through the gap of her hands. Quite yeah. It's it's a really nice little composition, um, and yeah, I like the fact that she's sort of about to leap into the air. Um, again, probably yeah. Just the background is is letting it down, but. Look, it's a, it's a great shot of a of an amateur training session for sure. Yeah. Awesome. How good is that? This, this next one, I can see the thumbnail. It looks like a nice sort of sunset, yeah. Well, it's not a sunset, but it's like golden hour, what we call oh, golden yeah. hour, where, um, you know, it's sort of dusk, the sun's setting, and uh, it's like that dusky kind of feel, and, and you get these beautiful golden tones coming through, which is, this photo has. It's a, it's a boy about to mark the ball. Um, and the sun's behind him and this is what I'm talking about. The background makes such a difference. So there's just trees in the background here um, and it's so much cleaner than, than the cars and that kind of stuff. So for me straight away, you know, that the, the subject just pops from the background because there's no distracting elements there. Um, yeah, this is awesome. I'd love to see the, the frames before and after it because he's got his hand sort of obstructing his face. Um, if in the frame next... To it or the frame before it you know if the ball's a little bit closer to his hands and his his hand is away from his face you always want to be able to see a face a, a face is uh you know that's a big thing to be able to see the face in, a, in an action photo um but yeah look the the light is really nice and that he's got this really nice rim lighting going behind him and there's a bit of lens flare as well so um and like mottled light on the grass uh, it's that is it's a nice picture definitely 
Amazing. Yeah. Great work, Pranav. <laughs> How good's that? Live feedback. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to get Pranav down to take some photos of our cricket club next season. So, well, he could yeah. be your man. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and some headshots recently at our Deacon Open Day as well. So, yeah. nice. It's all happening. Yeah. Great work. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you for that. That was, that was brilliant. How good's listening to live feedback? Um, <laughs> I thought he was going to bring a camera in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the way you're describing it was he's got a like a Canon 60D or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expose the the manual um, thing on it. But anyway, all good. All good. Um, what what are the main challenges in your job at the moment? Uh, main challenges, I guess. Um, yeah, it can be taxing working sort of you know late nights and then backing up again for. Yep. Like, you know, for example, um, I think Friday night, uh, I sh- you know, shot the the Geelong-Collingwood match. Um, probably didn't get home till like, you know, 12.30 or something and then was shooting 1.45 the next day. You know, it's there's not much time to sort of, you know, back up and reassess and you're just straight back into it. Um, so you're kind of running on not much sleep and, and that kind of stuff. So that's always, you know, a constant challenge, um, just managing your time and, and not not burning out um, with all the weekend work and and sort of unsociable hours, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the constant challenge with my role is just to continue, like from a personal perspective, just you know, to continue to just try and get those moments and and sort of try and push the envelope where you can with with your portraiture or, or whatever it might be. But just you know, um, just keep rowing the boat, I guess, and just keep covering the match as best I can and trying to to sort of tell the stories of the game. Um, through the lens that you know, so people can appreciate um, the game for what it is photographically as well. Would you say that's what keeps you going? Because you've been doing this for what sixteen years now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That um, the prospect of getting that next great photo is definitely what keeps me sort of you know really up and about. Like, um, like Friday night, I, as unfortunate as it was, the incident with Jeremy Howe, um, the photos of, of him sort of you know mid era just spectacular i did um, say that one it was very good yeah, yeah and you know you, you get a real rush and a buzz when when you sort of capture something so unique and and a, a sense of pride in that you're you know you're switched on you got the got the shot and um you know you, you covered a, like a really big event in that match um photographically so um yeah that that's what that buzz that you get from from nailing a shot or a moment um, you know, high marks are, are, are the pinnacle. If you, if you get a, a great frame of the mark of the year or just any spectacular mark, that buzz, like the anticipation of looking on the back of your camera at the frame <laughs> is like, you can't beat it. It's you hard d- to you describe. Know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You usually know before you look at it, but it's hard to describe uh, when you see something pretty epic on the back of your camera. You get pretty excited and... Um, yeah, it keeps you going, keeps you, keeps you up and about, that's mm. for sure. Yeah. S- sounds like, uh, sure, plenty of addicts would have sa- <laughs> described their addictions in a similar way, but it, there are it, worse things to be addicted to. <laughs> I, I don't know what if it's adrenaline or whatever it is, but uh, something races through your body and, it, and it's pretty addictive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome to hear. Um, uh, what would you be doing if you weren't a photographer? It's a good question. I dare say I'd be sort of in graphic design design still. Um, yeah, I, I I still have a real passion for design, not like I used to, but um, like I still love 
you know, working with colour and type and, you know, marrying all that with, with pitches as well. But, um, yeah, look, I, I'd say given I've, I've got a technical background in it and experience in, in design, um, that's probably where I would land if I wasn't a photographer, I'd say. But, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really tend to think about it that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Michael, last question. Uh, if you could leave one piece of advice for a uni student hoping to be a sports photographer, what would that be? Mm, it would be, I sort of touched on this earlier, but just get the gear and shoot. It's pretty simple. You've just got to put yourself out there, get a decent camera, long lens, and just teach yourself how to take great pictures. Yeah, pretty simple. Nice. We Amazing. love simple advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Rubes, uh, before we uh, before we end it, any other episodes for those listening that's related to photography and, and media that people can listen to? Yeah, well, like if, if you're a big AFL fan, a big AFL media fan, then, um, you know, Michael, you're the, you're the star of the photography scene. Brian Taylor is another star of the commentary scene. He's in episode 210 for those who want to listen to that. And then going back another 100 episodes, Hamish McLaughlin was 124 as well. So for those people who want to hear how all different sides of AFL are, are covered, then... Um, yeah, there's three of the best for you right there. Awesome, awesome. Michael, it, it has been a, an honour to have you in here. Like, honestly, hearing you talk mm. about that Buddy 1000 experience was was gripping. Like we uh, we said right there, like probably some of the best podcast content we ever had. So uh, really appreciate you coming in and just sharing what, what your world looks like. And I must say, um, you know, we've probably seen your photos ever since we've started watching AFL. So it's really quite amazing having you in here and, and talking about it so i really appreciate you coming no worries boys thanks for having me guys it's time now for everyone's favorite segment the people's segment ask sports grad where every week we answer a question from our community if you'd like to ask us a question first become a sports grad member at sportsgrad.com.au slash community then add your question to our Discord channel named Ask Sports Grad. Rubes, this way this comes from member Daniel. He's just starting to get into the networking game. Where can I start? Mm. Oof. Jeez. Big <laughs> few you... years ahead for you, Daniel. Very big, very big. Um, first, I might just say, um, if there's a reason why Daniel hasn't, Daniel, you haven't started just yet, if it's because you're afraid or, you know, it's anxiety inducing just to think about it. Um, just know that you are, you're not alone. <laughs> yep. I think yourself, me included, a lot of our podcast guests have talked about the fact that when they are starting out their careers and thinking about networking, it is scary. So everybody goes through it. You're not alone, Daniel. Um, but so, so the first thing I would say is just acknowledge that because once you've acknowledged it, suddenly it doesn't seem so scary. Mm. But then you just want to lean into it. You don't want to just throw yourself in straight away. Just lean into it. So jumping straight in might be sending a cold message out to the CEO of the AFL straight away and you don't get a response and straight away you think, oh, crap, what was the point? I feel terrible. Um, Never doing that again because now, you know, it's not great. So lean into networking. If you have a friend who knows somebody who's working in sport, just ask them if they can connect you up. Try and make these soft 
entries into networking. So if getting the connection is the issue, start with your immediate circle around you. Now, if um, if uh, if sending the outreach isn't the issue, perhaps it's actually having the conversation that's the issue too. So one way that you can uh, overcome those fears of, of talking to other people is actually do your preparation. So if you know that you've got a conversation coming up, say you've arranged a coffee with this person who's a friend of a friend, do your preparation on them in advance so you know about know what to ask them. And you literally might jot down five or six questions to have and keep them in your pocket in case you need them to, to ask them. And when I've been catching up to pe- with people, I've literally had people say, Ruben, I hope this isn't weird, but um, on the drive to meet you, I wrote down a few questions on my phone that I'd love to ask you. Do you mind if I get them out? And I was like, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. To me, like I was actually really impressed. It shows me that you're, you're curious, you're thinking, you care about our time as well because yeah. you know, the worst thing you can do for somebody else is, is waste their time. But if you can prepare, that's kind of the greatest show of appreciation yeah. you, you, can, you can really give them. So if the conversation scares you, do your preparation, prepare some questions and you know, don't be afraid to, to pull them out if you absolutely need to. Um, but that's probably where I'd start. After that, um, you will slowly gain confidence uh, and continue to cast your net far and wide because you just never know who might be out there and who can help you. And the great thing about the sports industry is that people want to help you. It is a very kind, generous and friendly industry. And I can guarantee you that if you meet someone, you are highly likely to walk away feeling great about it. Brilliant. I agree with all that. Look under what's under your nose, first of all. It's a lot easier than just going mm-hmm. cold. Do you, who, who was the first person that you ever networked or had uh, a coffee with? Yeah, so it was Paul Pios from Inside 50 Pyre Management. So when I first left school, I told this story the other day, I, uh, I remember he was my footy coach in year 11. So I hadn't really spoken to him in a couple of years, but... I knew him and I, you know, he, he was my coach, so I knew him a little bit. But once I finished school, uh, I found out that he was running a player management business and I was sort of looking into that as a potential career path. And I remember I was chatting to my mum and she was like, just give Paul a call. And I was like, oh, I can't, can't call him. And I, was <laughs> like, I, I actually tracked down his email address through our family email. That was, it was somehow on like a footy email or something. And I remember drafting an email. It took me about three weeks to draft and I probably did about 30 of them. Um, but then I finally got the courage to, to click it and it was the best coffee ever and got a, an unpaid internship from it. So amazing! just send the message. Don't worry about the consequences. Mm. You'll regret not sending it. What's the worst that can happen? Well, that's a perfect example of leaning on your immediate circle. 100%. I think um, the polar opposite to that is doing what uh, our great friend of the show, Aman Alawalia, does. <laughs> yeah. So when he was doing his Masters of Sport Management at Ohio University over in the US, he would f- try and find the second half of people's email addresses. So at oh, yeah. sanfranciscogiants.com or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and he would try and guess, guess the, the front half. So would it be Ryan at or would it be Ryan.Walker at? Yeah. And then he would send out these emails to all the different variations to try and get an in. Mm. And eventually someone replied to him from the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that, is that, that is how he ended up getting his job at yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. He's now, he actually got a promotion the other day. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah. He's um, now the head of 
insights and analytics or head of partnerships at BSE Global who look after the Brooklyn Nets, Paddy Mills' club, like massive job. Ben Simmons, big club. Big, big club. Um, I think he talks about that in his first podcast we did with him, which was 57. Yeah. (laughs) 57. And then he came back in 157, I think. (laughs) Something about it. Because it was 100 after. What's that pronounced? 159. Brilliant. Yeah, not too far off. That's why we we have the gents in the room. That's it. Brilliant. 159 for the Q&A networking episode with with, uh, our man, Amad. But um, yeah, there's a bit to work with, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) Hope that helped. Daniel, good on you, mate. And thanks thanks for your question as well. Um, If you'd like to ask us a question or ask our friends in sport a question, sign up and become a Sportsgrab member. Each week, as we mentioned, we uh, jump on an Ask Sports Rad session every Wednesday night and it's an open floor for you to ask us or the industry professionals any of your questions. As Rube said, we've got an absolute huge lineup coming up um, to get involved when you can. All those sessions are also recorded, so you get over 50 hours of exclusive content all ready for you to watch back. Um, So if you can't make the sessions, that's totally okay. In the meantime, find us on LinkedIn and give us some love with a rating if you enjoy the show. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys. One last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.